Hey, I'm Brianna. And I'm Lauren. It's easy to compare yourself to others on social media. But if there's one thing we know, it's that Instagram is just a highlight reel. That's why we are bringing you raw and honest conversations on success, health, finance, and relationships from the people who aren't afraid to speak the truth. Anything else is all bullshit. Hello, hello, everybody. So this is different. Um, Brie is on vacation. So I had the pleasure of interviewing my really good friend, Hannah Mirando, who is just one of my best friends, but also she's a financial advisor and she's my financial advisor. And we met, you know, not that long ago, I'd say less than a year ago. And one of the things that I noticed about her was that I could just tell that she was a really good girlfriend. She was at a ball game with a couple of her friends and one of her friends was going through a breakup and she was just being a really just sweet and supportive person. And I asked her what she did and she was like, I'm a financial advisor. And I never really knew what that meant or who that was or, you know, what someone like that did. But I definitely have met more male financial advisors than females. Um, And I just thought that was so badass. And she was dressed beautifully. And, you know, she's just a really, she's just kind of the woman, a woman who like takes over a room and she walks in. She's just got this great smile and this great charisma Um, so anyways, that's how we met. And then I started working with her as her client. And then, you know, she started working with me as my client and I actually help her with her social media. Um, and so it was through that relationship that we ended up just establishing a friendship. And I'm just so proud to call her one of my closest friends. So we will be back not next week, but the following week with our kind of regular scheduled programs. But for now, please enjoy Hannah Miranda. Oh, we are live. Hi, Hannah. Hello. So I was just telling a little bit about you, and I'd love to offer this opportunity for you to introduce yourself. I'm so excited to have you on, by the way. We've been talking about this for a while. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. It's been so fun to uh, listen to your podcast journey. I've been listening since day one. So thank you so much for having me. And... Yeah, I I run a financial planning practice. Uh, What I do is holistic financial planning. So I really do a little bit of everything from risk management to wealth accumulation. But what's really cool about my practice is that I work solely with women. Love that. Yeah, I've got a handful of male clients, most of which are boyfriends or husbands. Uh, But my focus is really financial female empowerment. Fuck yes. Yeah, I love, I love, love, love being your friend. Backing up a little bit on how we met, I feel like we met in, let's say we met at a ball game. Yeah, the Warriors game. game. Yeah, randomly, friends of friends. And one of the things that I noticed about you immediately is that you're such a champion for women. Like, What makes you like that? That's just an amazing quality. That's a great question. I am the youngest of three girls. So I grew up in a divorced home um, and I had uh, both wonderful parents, uh, but my, my dad, I think, you know, he just had girl after girl after girl, probably didn't even know what to do with us. So he just raised us the, the best way he knew how, which was if you want something, go and get it. And you are strong and powerful and you can be whatever it is that you want to be when you grow up. And then of course, watching my mom kind of grow up, you know, road trips with four girls, like blasting Dixie checks. I mean, I don't know, (laughs) you know, how much better it gets. Uh, So I think, you know, growing up with really strong women in my family was probably the first really thing that always stuck out in my mind of, I want to be a champion of women and help other women be strong because I feel like I was raised to just be like, just aggressive (laughs) and go after it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting, you know, men and women, I was thinking about this today a little bit about how in our society, just inherently we're, we're raised to be different. 
And I think because I was raised in an all-female environment, I really never saw the other side of that, of what it was like to be a, a man in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've become close through working together because when we met at that Warriors game, um, there was a lot going on that night. I remember just, I don't know, little did we know the world was about to end. But Right? Oh, goodness. <laughs> Well, I think that night, one of our girlfriends was going through a breakup. Hello. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the moment when you really need your girlfriends. Um, yeah. Yes, and little did we know. Yeah. And I mean, and speaking of which, like, I kind of didn't really know how to respond to that situation because I didn't know her. And I felt so bad that you were with someone who was going through this, like, terrible situation. And, like, I've been that girl who's, like, out trying to forget but you just can't. And so you're just like, I don't know. Like for me, I'm always just like having too many drinks. Yes. But <laughs> I am a firm believer in, okay. It's like emotions are motions. You got to let them roll through. So in whatever, everybody has a different uh, length of healing, a different way of healing, but no matter what, I think like when you're supporting your girls, you just got to let them go. Sometimes you have to let it out and bitch about it and just let it, you know, feel all the feels. Yeah. So we met like eight months ago before, you know, all of the shelter in place things. And so we've kind of seen each other through a lot, even though we haven't known each other a ton of time. And like, what's this process been like for you as any, as a professional, as anybody just trying to navigate and keep things together? This experience I think has given people time to slow down a little bit. That's what I've noticed the most. Um, And for me, I think I, over the last six months, have had a lot more clarity about, again, my mission, which is working with women, supporting women, uplifting women, um, Mm -hmm. reaching them. Many of my male counterparts don't call on, you know, young professional women uh, to help them with things like their finances and and all of that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's been a learning experience. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard that you say this before, and I love it, that women are underserved yeah. in the finance community. Well, for me, what's interesting is, uh, you know, across the financial professionals field, uh, women and female advisors make up less than 15%. So imagine that, yet we make up 51% of the population. So I think it first starts there. So me being a minority, uh, you know, among my colleagues, you know, really has kind of lit a fire under my, you know, where to like get out there and reach as many people, as many women as possible. I mean, the other thing is that over the last decades, right, women's earning potential continues to increase. Um, It's interesting. We're having this conversation um, after the horrific news last night of Ruth Bader Ginsburg mm-hmm. passing RIP. Oh my Heartbreaking. God. Yes. I mean, you want to talk about champion of women and gender equality, man, that's your girl right there. So mm. um, yeah, I think it starts there that there's just, you know, many professional industries are male dominated. I mean, mm. like even odd ones where you would think women are actually, you know, the front runners and um, you know, hairstylists, men, there's more male hairdressers and hair colorists than there are women. It, it's like, I had no idea about that. Yeah, well, yes, I mean, like they're the of the of the top echelon of hairstylists. It's men. Oh, is like the ones that get paid the highest are men. Yes, Yet you go yes. into any salon and you see more women hairstylists, don't you? Like in, in any random salon. I mean, I do. Well, I would I would say I would see more female clientele. That's for sure. And so I think you look across many, you know, professional industries and men continue, continue to dominate, right? So I have a theory about this and you could totally chime in, contribute, disagree. But I feel like, you know, how the statistic is that women make 80 cents on the dollar for, you know, for every dollar a man makes. And I feel like part of it is systemic, but I feel like another part of it is that women are so afraid to stick up for themselves and ask for the damn raise, ask for the damn promotion. And I feel like men are just better at bullshitting their way through. And I have I have some proof and to back up and some anecdotal conversations that I've had with my like male friends. But I just kind of want to know what you think and what you see. 
Is that right. true? Or is that, am I like, do you think I'm full of shit? Hell yeah. No, I don't think you're full of shit. I think, like I said earlier, right? In society, like when you're raised as a little girl and a little boy, like, oh, be polite and have your tea party and cross your legs and raise your hand and, you know, don't shout and run around. Yet boys are like, yeah, like play in the mud, like get crazy. And I think that, you know, continues as you get older that we're supposed to be this, you know, timid, nice, sweet woman, even in the professional world. And even more so um, when you break it up by race, uh, it's even, I mean, the statistics are just appalling, but I think, yeah, I think women are often just more timid or when we are aggressive, right? We come off as, oh, she's a bitch, right? I mean, you know, all the books, right? Uh, Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, about, you know, always raise your hand. I've heard a statistic statistic that, you know, women, they need to feel like they have like, they're 90% sure that it's right. I mean, gosh, if a guy is like, ah, maybe, you know, half, half, whatever, I'll just raise my hand and say whatever comes to mind. And they just have this, like, they're just like confident, you know, always. And women are not. What's up with that? I mean, that's a whole, see, that's, that's my point is that I think that, and Brie and I talked about this on our first episode where she was talking about how she just like went into band and just said that she played the violin and then just sat in there and just blended in and like, Hey, she was playing the violin. And I was like, women need more of that, like Brie violin energy, like, yes. like that, like confidence that like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I will fake you out. And like, men are just born with that. Like they're born you know, with balls metaphorically and physically. But like, I, I just feel like, like part of that whole scrotum situation is that they're like lower, like their, their bar is just lower for bullshit or something. Like they're, they'll, they'll accept a massive amount of bullshit that they give themselves. And women are just like, if it's not 90% correct, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. We just need to be sure because we're, you know, afraid of, I think, I don't know, for me, I'm always afraid of being embarrassed or being wrong and, Mm -hmm. you know, having to uh, stick up for myself. But first also, can we just point out the issue with the anatomy of that? Scrotums are quite fragile, okay? And (laughs) from my understanding, I have not birthed children yet, but uh, (laughs) the vagina is quite malleable, strong. We can actually create human life. So I just, yeah, there is something seriously wrong with, oh yeah, grow some balls or get some balls. It's like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't don't need a, uh, no, I I need a, you know, I don't know what else we should replace that with, but like, you know, Gosh, I mean, grow grow some ovaries. I don't grow know. Some ovaries, like, yes. <laughs> create life. I mean, gosh, we are like, you know, women are so we're you know we're powerful beings. But first and foremost, I mean, we are so resilient. Knowing what we do about like women and what we make, I feel like you're just as much like a money mindset kind of therapist in every way that you are a financial advisor in the sense that you try to like tackle the problem from all angles. What are some of the, like the common themes that you, you deal with or the problems that aren't necessarily like financial planning related, but just more money mindset related? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Money is very much a mindset saving, Mm -hmm. you know, being, being smart with your finances. It's very behavioral. It's very habitual. We're often, we either learn certain habits from our parents or we have like financial trauma from that one time in college when you got a credit card and you just like totally screwed yourself over. So yeah. a lot of what I do is, yeah, help people kind of rebuild and or start new healthy financial habits. So I think the most common themes that I see, often I meet with women who are killing it mm-hmm. and don't think that they're doing enough. Sometimes when I meet with clients who are often um, in some debt, then it's really scary. The, the first, the hardest step is to look your stuff in the face and say, okay, this is where I'm at. Uh, and then it's creating a plan and it's sticking to it. And a lot of what I do is, yeah, I'm pumping them up. I mean, like, yes, we ran the numbers. The numbers don't lie. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can do this. We just have to stick to it. And a lot of what 
you know, I try to do is make it fun by let's not just, um, you know, pinch pennies and eat top ramen for the next three months, but, Mm -hmm. you know, celebrate small wins and create, again, in order to have those lasting habits, you have to make it fun or else you will hate money. You will hate financial planning. You will hate budgeting, you know, and it's a, it's a scary thing instead of an empowering thing. You know, the idea of like, you know, money doesn't solve your problems or, you know, money doesn't buy you, yeah, money doesn't buy you happiness. I mean, it buys you peace of mind. It buys you comfort. It's not about Options. having all the money and the yeah. It's about it's about creating freedom, having the ability to do, to go, to buy, to you know, be, to change a career, to move from where you're at, to leave a shitty relationship because you have mm. the financial means and you've got your head screwed on right. I think mm-hmm. I struggled a lot in my early. 20s with money and my relationship with money. And it's always just haunted me. And I got in really bad credit card debt when I was young, like really bad. And it was a whole situation. And so I've always had a lot of shame about that. And I've always had a lot of shame about, I don't know, not wanting to be honest. And But the thing is, is that that's an old narrative that I used to carry. And I'm so much better now. And I was just wondering if you had like a similar experience that inspired you to kind of you know, now we become like this profit almost about money and mindset and women. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved money. I was a weird kid. I was like the girl who's (laughs) like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to wear a suit, a pants suit every day and be in a, you know, corporate environment in the freaking boardroom. Okay. So I always knew that I wanted to be in a, in a powerful place in a, uh, really just an environment where I could dress up every day. I think is where that came from. But, uh, you know, I, my journey around money, um, has always been, I think it's interesting. I've definitely made mistakes. I was not always practicing what I preach now. That's for sure. Um, I grew up in a, you know, upper middle class family, fortunate enough to get to experience a lot of really cool things when I was little. And so that made me be like, wow, I, you know, when I get older, I want to be able to provide the same type of lifestyle for Mm -hmm. myself. So in the back of my mind, I knew like, okay, got to get an education, got to, you know, find a job that just like, you know, pays you a ton of money, you know, because money, again, doesn't buy you happiness, but it buys you comfort and it, it buys you the ability to do and see and go um, and experience whatever it is that you want. Uh, So for me, I, I was a, uh, I'm a Taurus. I'm very stubborn. Not that I really actually know anything about astrology, but I know <laughs> Tauruses are often quite stubborn. And, you know, when I turned 18, um, I was in high school and honestly, I really was not prepared for college. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was struggling, you know, with my grades a little bit in high school, just trying to figure out who I was. And I definitely was not ready, right, for a four year university. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go to a community college. My dad went to a community college and he turned out, you know, he was, he's a lawyer for, you know, 35, 40 years. And I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. And then of course I started going to a community college and I was like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I've got a car. I want to ride around with my friends. So I dropped that and I started working and oh my gosh, my parents flipped out. And so I actually, I actually moved out when I was 18 of my parents' house. And I was like, they're like, what are you doing? You know, we'll, we'll pay for you to go to school as long as you, you know, get good grades and do this thing. And I was like, no, I'm going to figure it out on my own. Probably the worst decision I could have made, but it worked out in the end. Yeah. And so then I basically just started working, um, you know, and started making money. And it was the first time I made money and I was so excited. I could go out and have nice dinners and all these things. And when I got my first apartment and it was, I was in San Francisco, I was working in the service industry. I was like making more money than I knew what to do with. And I got mm-hmm. this bad ass apartment right down the street from the ballpark in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Go Giants. Nice. Um, yep. And I moved in and I got, you know, first thing I bought was a mattress. Right. That's like kind of the one of the first kind of adult purchases sure. that you make, I, I think. Right. Yeah. And I had like some container store, like plastic drawers, you know, yes. on the side, kind of my little bedside table. And the next thing I bought was my dog. Yeah. <laughs> I spent I spent eight hundred and seventy five dollars 
and PayPal'd a puggle to me. Wow. And so it was <laughs> me, my mattress, my container store drawers, a dog, a puppy living wow. in this, you know, $3,000 apartment in San Francisco. I mean, oh gosh, I look back. That I'm is mind blowing to me. And you were, you were like 18, 19. Yeah, I was like 18, 19, just like thinking I knew everything, you know? That's so relatable. Yeah, I mean, you know, but then, of course, and, you know, I I then, of course, bought some more furniture. So I looked like I actually lived there and I just kept working and kept doing my thing. But I think what I found, you know, is that I was making money and spending the money that I make. Often when I meet with my clients, it's like you make more money, you spend more money. And it Mm -hmm. just, you kind of keep climbing that ladder. And instead of, saving, being smart. I wanted to, you know, buy the nice things, the shoes, the purses, the outfits, shopping, all of that good stuff. And, you know, that went on for a little bit. And then I realized like, oh yeah, this doesn't make me happy. And I, this, there's, there's no sustainability in this future. Yeah. But like, okay, let's back up for a second because I've been there and I thought it made me very happy, except then I realized that it was like a drug it was like, yeah, like you're happy, you're happy, happy, and then you feel empty. And then you're happy, and then you need more and more, and you need to spend more and more to get to that same feeling. And then something happens where like you don't have that job anymore. And then I don't know, that's how it is for me. But this is all yeah. very relatable. Like I did not want to go to college. I did community college. I dropped out of community college because I was bartending illegally. That's a whole other story because I wasn't 21. Oh, girl. And and I was making so much money. How much? And I was like, I was just taking everybody out to dinner all the time. Yeah. Like, Drinks on wh- me. Yeah. yeah why, why did we do that? Like, because why? I, I, think it's, I think it's because it makes you feel powerful. So for me, it was like, you know, I had money. I could buy myself whatever it is that I want. I, w- I have never been, you know, you have a, a boyfriend or some guy who like takes you out to a nice dinner or buys you some expensive gift. Like that does not turn me on. If I can, I can get it on my own. Like, that's not what I'm looking for in a man, certainly, um, you know, is like financial gain. So I think for me, it was always like, I felt empowered by having money and being Mm. able to buy and do whatever I wanted. But of course, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to do that forever. Um, And then I figured out I should probably go to college. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, (laughs) which I did. (laughs) Where did you go? I went to, I actually went to two universities. I earned um, an associate's degree from the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, which is where I first fell in love with numbers, really. I, I studied uh, being a essentially a buyer, merchandising, marketing, really in kind of any you know consumer buy-sell industry. And I worked in fashion wholesale for a while um, as an account executive. And then um, I finished up my bachelor's at Berkeley. So I came back to the Bay Area. I lived in LA when I went to FITM. And then I came back to the Bay Area and studied at Berkeley, where I actually studied political science, not mm. finance. I, of course, fell in love with, you know, how do political agendas around the world basically affect our day-to-day lives, especially the economy, which, you know, certainly right now we can feel this thing, this global pandemic and how it's affecting um, everyone's, you know, financial, just well-being and all of that good stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's affecting me and how much money I spend on comfy pajamas. You know, yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> oh, the one thing I did do was I, I I really, really love to practice what I preach. You know, I feel super guilty when I am not doing what I tell my clients to do. So, you know, often if, you know, we got to cut back on spending, I'm like, you know, stop buying Starbucks, you know, four times a day and spending, you know, 200 bucks a week. And then I will challenge myself and I like won't buy mm-hmm. coffee for a month, you know, mm-hmm. or this time when, when COVID hit, I did not uh, buy food like out. I cooked at home, even though I felt bad because I was like, oh, support small businesses. But I can still actually, I think mm-hmm. I just went to two hands. I've only eaten out six times. Since March. That's okay. unreal. Unreal. But you know what? I'm super proud of that because you should I be. do. Yeah, I practice what I preach. Cheers to that, know? girl. Cheers to that. Okay. Virtual cheers. Yes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. See, that's hard. I mean, that was hard for me because, you know, me and my partner were traveling across country and so we were road tripping. So we had to eat out a lot. But, wow. um, 
I think it was easier for me to save money because everything was closed and I didn't realize how much money I had spent on eating out. And it was because I lived in San Francisco and I had a really reasonable apartment. And so it was like, oh, you have more money, you spend more money. And that's just kind of my situation. And I worked in the service industry. And so having been a server for forever or a bartender for forever, like my favorite thing is like going out to eat and going to bars because I enjoy it so much now as a patron of that experience as opposed to the service side of that experience. Absolutely. It's my favorite thing. Well, it's also a part of being social, right? I mean, that's, I definitely miss like going out to, you know, Wine Wednesday and Taco Tuesday and Thirsty Thursday. I've got them all, girl. Um, you know, yeah. like whatever, whatever day of the week, there's always something you can be doing. And that's a way to socialize and network and get to know people. So I absolutely understand that, which is why, I mean, you know, you still have to have fun and live your life. That's been the hardest part of quarantine for me was just missing socializing. Yeah. So I had this experience today when it comes to money and this has nothing to do with anything, but I thought I'd talk about it. So it was just this realization that I had about my own money mindset. So um, my stepmother and I went out and we're in the country, we're in upstate New York. And the thing that you do here on a Saturday is you go to tag sales. That is what you do. You go to a farmer's market and then you drive around and you find all these signs for different tag sales and you do like the tag sale drive-bys and you go boop, 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 boop. And you off- it's really funny because you'll often see the same people at the individual tag sales. So we oh started. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I know. Like it is so much fun, right? Yeah. So we started the farmer's market and I made the mistake of buying $14 granola, which like, trust me, it's heartbreaking to me now because I'm so pissed off. But it was like a friend from high school's mom sells it because I went to the high school where the farmer's market in the town that the farmer's market was. And I'm like, oh my God, Miss So-and-so, great to see you. Yeah, I'll do the granola. And I pull out a $10 from my wallet, handing it to her. And she was just standing there waiting for more money. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This oh. little thing is more than $10. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. How much do I owe you? And she's like, it's 14. I was like, <clears throat> she she grew or foraged the nuts by hand, Lauren. Okay. It's <laughs> I was artisan like, <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But I wasn't going to be like, oh, never mind. Like I'm already in the transaction at this point. So it's like I buy things out of like embarrassment or because I'm so – I know where I was going with this. Like I'm – it's a social aspect of things, right? Like if I was at a bar or a restaurant, I would easily be spending 30 bucks, right? So it's like I just figured I'm paying my way to have a day today and the experience is I buy $14 granola. And then – so I did that and I was kind of upset and I still, I told my stepmom and she was like, are you freaking kidding me? That granola is $14? I'm like, Yeah. Anyways, so then we go to a tag sale and I'm like talking to this guy about these beautiful like wood products that he has at his table. It's like this beautiful like custom wood charcuterie board and like like wooden mallets. Like they're they're like widgets, okay? Like they're not even real things, but this guy made them on his farm and I'm like, oh, I have to buy something now because right. he's nice and him and his girlfriend are adorable and we're on this farm in this beautiful set. He's like, you know what I'm saying? You know where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, first of all, only tag sales for you once a month, Missy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, Thank it's like you. going to something like that or like people talk a lot about like emotional spending, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're sad, you spend or when you're super uh, happy or you've got a big event to go like, oh my God, I need something to wear. Like, you know, this is none of my, um, you know, 500 dresses are good enough. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, which is there's a time and a place because those things you have to be able to treat yourself. It's like having the small wins, right? But I think it's as important to like, know thy number. Okay. I always talk about this, which is like, we call it discretionary spending, right? Your granola money is like your fun money, right? Yeah. So it's like, if you know your, your, how much you're bringing in, how much is going out and whatever you have left over, like that's your fun money. And what I think is important about this is that if you know your number of what you're allowed to spend, okay. Mm -hmm then you don't feel guilty about buying $14 granola or woodwork pieces from a sweet couple because absolutely, I'm here for, you know, supporting the small businesses. I'm here for artisan Mm -hmm. granola. Absolutely. I had granola for breakfast. I mean, yes. I mean, I'm like, my vice is, you know, wine. And I talk a lot about this on my social media about affordable wine, but like 
don't get me wrong. Like I love an expensive Pinot, you know, or I right. love to go and have that, you know, $18 cocktail that's smoked and has like a, you know, crusted Same. orange, like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Unicorn yeah. tears. Yes, girl. Yeah. That is my thing, you know, or, or spa days or travel for me. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, yes. Put me on a beach somewhere. The Italian Riviera. Like that's where my Ooh. money's going. Yes. Yeah. So it's the same, I guess, for me too. It's just like, yes, I do value all of those things more than $14 granola. I think my point is just that like sometimes I feel like I favor – like it's emo- yeah, it's emotional spending. It's it emotional, is. yeah. Yeah. And then you feel guilty about it after, right? You're like, okay, obviously I want to support this person by the, the sweet mom's granola and all of that. Uh, and maybe it wasn't in your budget, right? Maybe $14 granola is not in Lauren's budget. But yeah. – it could be, it can be, if that's something that you value that's important to you. And again, know thy number because I am like, no, we should not feel guilty about spending our hard-earned cash, right? Mm. I mean, like, wh- why should anyone feel guilty about that? Uh, as long as you're, of course, paying your bills and you're not in credit card debt and you are saving and investing for the future, then yeah. of course we could have fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing all those other things first. <laughs> yeah. So I see your Instagram because you brought it up. Disclosure, Miss um, Lauren Volper also helps me with – oh, wait. I just said your last name. I shouldn't say that. No, um, it's fine. Everybody knows my last name. <laughs> I was like, disclosure, Lauren also helps me run my Instagram. So shout out I to do. you for fun ideas, fresh graphics. This is my – Lauren is my social media goddess. She – helps me. She inspires me. She is the reason why if you love my content and I love my content and think, think it is pretty awesome. She is truly the reason behind it. She's the brains behind the operation. I'm just the oh, face. It takes two to tango. <laughs> it does. We tango, it does. we tango well. And I, I, I love a good dance. I love a good dance. I know. Me too. Oh, um, but I was going to say, I, I really like how you differentiate what you do in comparison to these money coaches. And I don't expect you to throw shade, but I'm happy to. I just am over this like coaching culture in general. Um, Like just in general, because we were talking about like um, kind of MLM schemes and stuff like that. And it just feels kind of grimy to me. Like whenever somebody wants you to pay them for like, for how is this not a scam? Pay Mm. me and I will show you how to get out of debt. How Don't is that not a scam? Don't even get me started, Lauren. This is so I, I have, I'm, I'm new to Instagram for my business. Um, okay. but I would just say that, you know, yes, I have come across these money coaches and it's ridiculous. I don't understand how people can charge to help someone get out of debt or show them how to budget. A lot of that information is honestly available online. So right. do some research. Um, right. but second of all, I think you're, that you bring up an interesting point about coaching culture because, you know, even me, right. I've thought about hiring a business coach, you know, to help me, you know, obviously stay on track and how to scale my business up and out and all these different things. But in some ways it seems to me like when you become addicted to that and then it's kind of like a crutch almost, you're like, you know, again, I'm, I'm really, you know, I do a lot of education in my practice. So like teaching people financial literacy that we are not taught in school. Like that's my gripe with the education system. But, you know, so it's like, you know, teach them so that they can go and do it on their own. So I guess coaching culture or coaches, right, can be good, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess more short term. Mm -hmm. I hired a coach before and it had its highs and it had its lows. And I think that coaches are great for some people. But I think that coaches for me are not great. And I say that just because I am somebody who has a very high level of figure it out. And uh, that's 90% of the coaching component is delivering that information. And the 10% is them actually putting any actions into it. Like you have to do most of the work still. So if you're limited on resources, are you going to pay somebody to help you market? Or are you going to pay somebody to coach you on how to market yourself? For me, I don't know. I'm going to pay somebody to help me manage my business, which is like, let's say I need to outsource some marketing. 
Right. I think also though, why people, you know, it's because they need motivation. Like, look, man, it is hard out here and it's hard in having somebody that holds you accountable. I mean, in some ways, right. I do that for my clients. You know, I'm, I'm the person who, if they know we're meeting quarterly, you know, obviously they're going to be like, Oh, right. Cool. I'm meeting with, you know, Hannah in a couple of weeks. Then, you know, let me make sure my, my T's are crossed and my eyes are dotted, which I mean, you know, not the, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, make sure my homework is done. But in some yeah. ways, I think, you know, it's it's good to have someone to motivate you, which is I think, often where that comes from. But mm-hmm. but paying somebody to like, yeah, make you a, a debt plan or come up with a debt strategy or anything like that, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I will give you no. advice gladly for free. Right. <laughs> and there's nonprofit yeah. organizations that do that for you for yeah. free, yeah. you know? And, um, I was going to say, and a lot of like, I'm going to the dentist on Monday and that just reminded me that like, I, you best believe I'm like flossing every day. Every day. <laughs> Twice a day, girl. Abs- oh, that is me. That is me. 100%. Right? Like two weeks before I'm just like, my gums are bleeding. I'm just like, yeah. Ah, like, oh God. Yeah, it's like that meme, like, oh, like I floss every day and there's like all this blood in the sink and like blood in this floss. It's like, sure you do, buddy. Yeah, it's so oh, gross. God. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm like, I'm, I'm so gross. Sorry about that. No, but- <laughs> no, no. But it's totally true, right? Like, you know, you got to get in shape or whatever, you know, it's like, oh, it's like the idea of like having a summer body, like, oh, for fuck's mm. sake, you know, it's like, oh. Sorry, I'm just pouring myself no. another glass of wine. Um, yes. You know, it's like it's like having your summer body, like, you know, your winter coat, and then you're like, oh, shit, summer's coming. Got to get in shade. Same thing, same thing. By the way, here's how you have a summer body. You have your body, and then you enter into summer. Yeah, that's that's a good – that's a much better way, yeah. Like, I'm, everybody I'm is a summer body. Seasons, okay. I don't discriminate. All four seasons get, get the love. Get the love. Yes. Um. So, I mean, and and it's a good point too. Like if you are like kind of preaching these things as an advisor, like you want to be that person too. Like I I, I know you and it's bad for your soul to be a hypocrite. So you're like, I'm sure like a certain portion of your success is attributed to helping other women and wanting to like, you know, keep up with the success of your clients. Right. I mean. Absolutely. My clients motivate me. You know, like I said, right, the, when I feel the most guilt, right, is when I'm like, oh, Hannah, you shouldn't have, you know, bought that at 2 a.m. on Amazon. Like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, yeah. I want to absolutely practice what I preach. You know, and I'm also pretty transparent. Like, hey, I haven't always had it all together, you know, right? I was young and dumb and spending a whole bunch of money and buying, you know, things that I didn't need. But I... Like what? You know, well, like, you know... Christian Louboutins and Prada bags and Louboutin and oh, of course, girl, I am like a shoe whore. Absolutely. Yeah. I love nice things. I do. I really do. But you know, you gotta, and I was working hard and I deserved it. Absolutely. But you know, that wasn't the smartest thing. Should I have been buying a, you know, 900, you know, $900 pair of shoes, or should I have been contributing to my Roth IRA? I mean, come on, we all know the answer there. Um, In terms of, you know, long-term term term growth, right? And and being smart and making those decisions. But I'm definitely transparent about, hey, you know, I don't always have it all together. We are all out here learning. You know, I've Mm -hmm. never been uh, you know, every year as I, right, as typically as you get older, your income increases, right? And remember how I said, you know, when you make more money, you spend more money, right? It's always about reevaluating. I, I do not make my own financial plan. Oh, that is a disclaimer here. I definitely have my own advisor, right? Because you do. sometimes, right? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm emotional with my money. So I look elsewhere to say, Hey, you know, while I, you know, know the information, I have all the facts, I know how to plan, I know how to, you know, invest and things like this. Mm-hmm. But I definitely always look for outside um, insight mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure I'm not missing anything and to keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so did you save money when you were like spending and working in the service industry? Yes. Okay. So Yeah. I wasn't super bad and blew all my money. I was actually always have been a really, really good saver. Uh, since I was like little, I remember. Really. Uh, yeah, I, sorry. I'm just, I'm total, I'm that person. I've always been a good saver. Like I've got, I've got money from, from, you know, 
a decade ago, for sure. I've got old money, you know, still in my savings account from those years. Um, Mm -hmm. But that was also a lot of, you know, my dad really encouraged me to open my first retirement account and things like that. Um, I also just, again, always had this just like, oh, I think, you know, my dad, right, we talk about, oh, when you were 18 and young and dumb and you moved out of my house and I was super pissed. He told me one time, and I'll never forget this. He said, you know, Hannah, I understand why you did what you did because you needed to gain your independence. And I have just always been this just super independent woman, you know, and I, you know, for me, the key to being independent was through money. Okay. So saving money, paying my own bills, never having to ask anyone for a handout mm-hmm. was always really, really important to yes. me. And that's always stuck with me. And I've maintained mm-hmm. that even, even to this day. And and every relationship I've been, right, maintaining my financial independence right. has been so important. Um, you know, how do you so, do that right now? Well, how do I do or that? Or what right do you now? recommend? Like if you don't want to share like what you're doing right now because it's personal or whatever, like what do you recommend women start doing to kind of establish that independence? Right. Well, I think it's hard because, you know, it's like before you're married, obviously you should have financial independence, right? Once you become married or once you get married, if you decide to cross-contaminate your finances, that's (laughs) up to you. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like, it's not like you need to like keep an emergency, you know, money in the sock drawer. Ideally, if you're getting married, he should be the love of your life and the man that's going to (laughs) love you and support you and not screw you over. But I think in relationships, um, that's, I don't know this. That's a hard question because, right. It comes down to this idea of like, well, should the man pay for dinner? Like, yeah. Well, should he? Well, for me, (laughs) I mean, this is, this is a, I want to know. Yeah. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. I've never been one to split the bill. That is weird to me. Okay. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'm old fashioned, but I will often um, grab the bill before my man and pay for it myself. And I guess for me, that's a little bit of a power move of being like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you think you think you can buy this filet mignon? I got my own filet mignon. OK, um, <laughs> Love that. for me, it's kind of like, I guess, you know, uh, trading off in a relationship. But of course, and you know, splitting the bills. I think the biggest thing in a relationship is just having the communication. Um, communication is lubrication. I always Love say that. that. And, Yes. And, uh, you know, that is so important, I think, with money as well, right? Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're in a relationship where the financial strain is, you know, it's not 50-50 or if you're paying a little bit more or he's paying too much. I mean, you know, men have their own struggles in society of, you know, I think men have this, you know, uh, stress of, oh, I, I need to be the breadwinner. I need to make money. I need to take care of this person, which that has to change. That That's a stigma that I am not, mm-hmm. not here for because I think it should be equal. I'm a big believer in maintaining that independence. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to share about yourself before we go into rapid fire? That I want to share about myself. Um, Or any advice that you have to give. Okay. I'm going to say this is so cheesy, but like be yourself, right? Own, own who you are. I have learned this in my world. So most of the time, for all the people who are listening out there, when you hear the word financial advisor, what comes to mind? Crickets. Mm. Probably (laughs) an old, probably an old stuffy white guy in a suit in some, you know, office building somewhere, you know, I am, you know, blonde and bubbly and I often rock hoop earrings and, you know, bright lipstick and things like this. And I, you know, wear foreign tails to the office and a dress that makes me feel like a boss you know what? And you can curse on <laughs> here, Hannah. You're <laughs> a boss bitch. Okay. Thank you. Uh, because that, that makes me feel powerful. And I think the thing that I've learned is to, that I have been able to step into who I am mm-hmm. and embrace that. And I think that's why, you know, I often hear when I'm working with women, like, I'm just so glad you're a woman or like, it's so, mm-hmm. you know, I just feel so relatable and I can talk to you and I, I can open up to you. And it's like, 
you know, it's like, because I'm being me, like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I didn't swear on the podcast because I didn't know I was allowed to, even though I guess it's called all, it's called, it's all bullshit. Um, but you know, I often will swear in my meetings. Sometimes mm-hmm. I try not to, but you know what? That's who the fuck I am. So, right. you know, own yourself, own your identity, be you, do you, um, you know, even if that, yeah, in, in everything in your career, in your personal life, in your relationships, with your family, with your friends, with partners. Mm. Yeah. That's my best. I, I love that, Hannah, because I feel like I've always been this woman who has like the stronger personality and I'm kind of like larger than life. And I had somebody tell me, you know, Lauren, you're not for everybody. And that's like a good thing. And it's it's been hard though, because I am not for everybody. And like, innately, I want so badly to be for everybody and be like a person that everybody likes. It's just in my nature. And I think that when we focus so much on pleasing everybody, we really don't even please anybody. And then there's like that whole thing about like, don't soften your flame just because other people are dim. Um, And I feel like I've really learned that from you, you know, just like, you know what? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you be you. The other thing that you, you mentioned just now was um, the idea of likability versus Mm. respectability. Mm. I have struggled with this, you know, when I'm mentoring people or I am um, even, you know, just in my life, right? I, I definitely, mm. of course, I want to be liked. I want mm. people to want to, you know, you know, call me and be my friend or whatever it is. But yeah. fuck that. Who cares if you're not everyone's cup of tea? Do right. people respect you for being who you are, being a powerful woman, owning that, being, you know, uh you know, a strong female financial advisor or being a, you know, marketing guru or being, you know, the L Woods of the legal community, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Are people yeah. gonna are people gonna respect you? And I think the respect comes down to, you know, yeah. You know, are you are you being yourself or are you trying to be someone who you're not? Totally. I think people respect you when they see that you're authentic and you don't care about other people's opinions. And, yeah. and when you're kind about it, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah speaking of kind. Elwoods, did you see the latest Netflix uh, series, The Home Edit? No. It's all about organization. Oh <gasps> These two women in Nashville. Like, so I go to sleep watching organization videos. There's like a fun little embarrassing fact about me. That so, would be so soothing. So soothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just watch organization videos. So I'll watch like clean with me on YouTube. And it's these women that just do like marathon cleanings for like hours and they record themselves. And I am so embarrassed to admit this, but I've had a couple of beers, so I don't care now. But, um, (laughs) so like, I love that, but the home edit, they went into Reese Witherspoon's closet and these two women that are in Nashville, they're professional organizers. And I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for anything for anybody, but they go into Reese Witherspoon's closet and they organize it and they have all of her costumes from Legally Blonde. And (gasps) it was, I die. It was fascinating. It was fascinating. I love, I love Reese Witherspoon. She is, she is a, yeah. She's so wholesome. She's an icon. Yeah. But also like iconic. I know. I know. All right. Rapid fire. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, Um, You have $10,000 in any store of your choosing. Which store are you shopping at? Um, I guess like Neiman Marcus? No. Oh, gosh. $10,000, which store am I shopping at? Whole Foods and buy three things? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hard. I, I, I wouldn't want to be in a store. I wouldn't spend it in a store. I would take a cool. vacation. Yeah. 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 Good answer. Yeah. I know that's a hard one. I'd be like, I'm like a target. (laughs) Right. And buy four things. No, no. Walk out with 40 things that you didn't need. No, I would take that 10 grand and I would go and have spend a month in Europe. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, Easy day. Which friend's character are you? Rachel. (laughs) Well, that's why you said Neiman Marcus then (laughs) initially. I'm definitely Rachel, although I, I have the type A personality of Monica. I am a neat freak. You want to talk about organization shows? Like, just come to my house. <laughs> like, I am crazy organized. Like, everything yeah. has to have a place. 
Yeah. But I'm spirited like Rachel, I guess. I love that. Um, I lately have been feeling a little bit like I don't have control over anything in my life. And it's been a little unwieldy and just weird, but it's just transition because I'm moving and all this kind of stuff. And so lately I'm like, I need to have control over everything I can possibly have control over. And so that includes labeling everything. So I opened the can of pumpkin puree today and I put it in another container and I literally labeled it pumpkin puree with the date. Like I'm going... I'm going insane, like commit me somewhere organization level. That's the type of OCD I love. But I love that as a coping mechanism for me. You know, like it's not drugs anymore. You know, that was a long time ago. uh, Well, we won't talk about that yet. No, (laughs) dark time. I mean, even for me, right? Getting to organize people's finances. Like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, give me the messiest case. Let me like whip it into shape. Oh, that just like, it makes me tingle. I love that. What friend's character are you? I feel like I'm more Chandler than anybody. Like, <laughs> Chandler Bong. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm really a Chandler. Like, I'm just kind of like nerdy and all over the place and just awkward. And then like, but fun to be around. And like, I'm a good friend. But I also make some really bad decisions sometimes. Like I'm actually really a Chandler, but it's like, I don't know. I love that. I love that. I'm like a, I'm a, a Chan, Chandel. I'm a Chandler Rachel uh, Chandler metamorphosis. Um, what? Oh, um, I want to know, what was the last thing you bought on Amazon? What was the last thing I bought on Amazon? Do you have Prime on your oh. phone? Uh, yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah. If we're going to, if we're being frankly honest, no, I want to know, like, tell, me, like tell me the last purchases. Don't filter. <laughs> I will. I'm looking at my phone right now. Everyone. <laughs> I have things in my cart. I don't even want to know. Okay. Let's see your account, my orders. The last thing. Oh, the last thing I ordered was how cute is this? You guys. Okay. I bought mommy and daddy, like to be cups and I sent them as a gift to my sister. Both of my sisters are pregnant right now. No way. Get this. So one is due in December. One is due in February and they're both having boys. <gasps> oh my goodness. The first boys in our family, they're just going to be like little best buds. Um, so that was the last thing I bought cute coffee mugs because of course that's what I do, which is yeah. send gifts to people randomly. If I was to judge you by your purchases, I would say that you're some like hella thoughtful person. <laughs> I do think of others. I do. I do. Yeah. But I also often think of myself. <laughs> what was the last thing you bought for yourself on Amazon? Oh, let's see. Okay. Um, last thing I bought for myself on Amazon. It's funny because gift, 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 Shut gift, up. gift. No, seriously. Mother Teresa. Seriously. Yeah. Um, the last thing I bought for myself. Uh, oh, slippers. Okay. So I, I'm such a weirdo. I have to have like a house shoe, like a yeah. slipper shoe. I just don't Same. like being barefoot. I don't like being barefoot in the house. So I bought slippers on Amazon. Yeah. Absolutely. I bought the Halucci slippers, like the really fluffy crisscross ones that everyone has. Oh, do you like them? There were twenty one ninety nine, and they were worth it. And I, even though that's not expensive, like I was no. still yeah. like, oh my God, I don't know if this is the right slipper purchase for me. The stakes are really high. <laughs> like Amazon, <laughs> you know, I, know. I was hemming and hawing over it for a long time and they're great. Absolutely. No, I, I, you know, buy slippers, you buy them like, you know, two, three times a year, whatever it is, but absolutely, at least with prime, you're not fighting with yourself, yourself over the shipping. It's like, do I want to buy this $259 like pillow? Ooh, there's $499 for shipping. And I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> I have, um, actually I have a tip about what to buy online. I discovered this really great blog called wire cutter. Oh, <gasps> Ooh, so it's operated by the New York Times and I get, it's not in the paper. It's only online. So it's wirecutter.com and it's a non-biased review blog because you know how a lot of the Amazon reviews are fake. Oh so, yeah. Oh, it's, by the, it's by the New York Times? Yeah. So you yeah. literally do the search magnifying glass and you type in anything that you want to see like comforter. And you, you'll find the best rated down comforters and the writers rate and test all these products for like a year and then write about it. And then they have like pictures of them actually testing them out and stuff. Like they're 
like that's why I bought Eber J pajamas, even though they were stupid expensive. Um, I waited for the Labor Day sale and all that. But like the wire cutter review people to- said that they were the best, softest pajamas out of all the pajamas they tried. So I want that job. I want mm-hmm. I want to be a product tester. Sign Same me up. Times wire cutter, call me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So no internet for a whole week or no going outside for a week. No internet. Wait. Yeah. No internet or not going out. No, yeah. No internet. Oh gosh, that'd be great. Unplug anytime, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I. I I can't be by my phone for too long. It just stresses me out. You're smart. I don't feel like I'm there yet. I feel like I should be there by now. But like I'll realize like all of a sudden I'm like tensing my jaw and I have a tension headache. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, my God, I've been on my phone for two hours. That's what it is. Yeah. The times where I've gotten to like go out into nature and leave my phone or I've done a couple of like retreats where I'm like you like literally turn your phone in for a week or two. Like, oh, you have? Gosh, yes. What, like oh, meditation, silent meditation retreats? Yeah. You've I, done well, those? Full silent, but yeah, I've done retreats where you literally turn in your phone, turn it off. Absolutely. Yeah, in wine country, although they don't let you drink wine, <laughs> which is cool. <gasps> yeah. Folks. I know, I know, right? But then, of course, you leave and then you can drink all the wine. So it's okay. Can I just say that I would have never thought of you to do something like that? I don't know why. You know, I have. Um, yeah, I think I've like I'm I've become very spiritual in my older age, you know. Yeah. But yeah, unplugging for me, I am not, you know this, Lauren, but I am not actually the most tech savvy, like with Instagram and with you know this and that. And I think especially now, I mean, every day I'm on Zoom, I'm on my email, mm. I'm always staring at a computer screen. So oh my gosh, the opportunity to unplug, like yes. Being on mm-hmm. an airplane, oh yeah which now we can't barely go on airplanes, but you know, mm. I love traveling for that reason. Like, and I Ooh. love staying in hotels for that reason. It feels like a parallel universe where society doesn't exist and it's literally just me and I get to treat myself. Love it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so you have an all expenses trip to anywhere that you want to go, but you have to go alone. So where do you go by yourself? And what do you do there? I would go anywhere alone. I love. Ah! I would. I would love traveling alone. I've done this several <gasps> times. I love that. Yes. I. The first time I went, I was in. Oh gosh, I think I was like maybe twenty. Um, and I went to Europe alone. Um, well, maybe I was, maybe I was a little bit older. But, uh, and I just went for, I think two or three weeks and just rented a car. I was in Italy, um, and just went Mm. and I was alone and it was the most, I mean, you know, mind blowing experience because it's, it's just different. I would, if, if anyone out there has not traveled alone, even just a weekend or, you know, going somewhere, Mm -hmm. absolutely do it at least once in your life, because you just get to be with your own thoughts. You get to see things differently. You get to go at your own pace. So mm-hmm. and I would travel alone tomorrow. Yeah, I do not need anybody. I am like, I'm lone wolf, Hannah. I'm yes. like out there. Yeah. So I love traveling alone. Yes. Well, you're so the anywhere. exact person that I would want to travel with, unfortunately. Yes. Okay. So well, like, I, I don't also- want you to only go by yourself. Like I want to travel. Like I feel like we all feel like I want to travel with Hannah. I want to hang out with Hannah. Hannah's yeah. rad. Oh yeah. No, I would, I'll travel with anyone, anyone who wants to take a trip. I'm there. I'm like the person who, yeah, you want to go somewhere, call me, let's book a flight. We're there. And you know, now with COVID we can work remote from anywhere. So, um, but also I've never been to like Asia. So that is the first place I'm going when I can Mm -hmm. travel again. And I would go alone or with you. <laughs> Cheers to that. Where can Hi. people find you, Hannah, if they want to get in touch with you to be your friends or if they want to reach out to you for financial advice and want to work with you? How do they get in touch? Yeah, they can. Um, I think hopefully we'll link some info for me um, in the, the podcast. But you can find me on Instagram at Hannah Mirondo, which is just my name. Therefore, you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere else and probably internet stalk me if you want. Um, yeah, H-A-N-N-A-H-M-O-R-A-N-D-O.
Thanks for listening and subscribe to get notifications of fresh, bullshit-free episodes each week. Follow us on Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, at It's All Bullshit Podcast, or send your questions to hello at itsallbullshitpodcast.com.